Well, let's just get into it. If you've got your Bibles, go to John chapter 19. I'm going to start at verse number 17. And if I get a little excited, you're just going to have to get excited with me or ignore me or whatever it is that you want to do because there's certain things in the Bible that I love to preach on and I love to talk about, and one of them's the cross. And uh, hopefully this morning I'll be able to give you different perspectives on the cross when we're done. John chapter 19, verse 17 through 18. And he, talking about Jesus, bearing his cross, went out to a place called the place of a skull, which is called in Hebrew, Golgotha, where they crucified him and two others with him, one on either side and Jesus in the center. I believe that we are now experiencing a season in our life, a, a time in this world where the cross has become obsolete. And it's, it's not that the cross went away. It's not that the cross doesn't have anything to do with us. It's, it's not that Jesus didn't down. I'm just saying that the cross has become obsolete in the church. And what do I mean by this? I mean this. Churches have become social gatherings and not places of worship. Pastors have become friends and not flock keepers. Christianity has become an event, not a lifestyle. And Christians have become the offenders and not the offended. Whatever happened to the day of mankind being offended by the message of the cross, being offended by the gospel, to, be, to become more understanding that without a Savior, without God, we're nothing. Without His Son dying on this cross, without His Son being a representation of His church, we would be nothing. The message of the cross has become so watered down and it's been watered down in order for the hearers of its message to feel good afterwards. We, we've allowed the message of the cross to become a feel-good message. It's been a message of that which causes us to feel good about ourselves. We've fulfilled our religious duty and we've walked, we've breached the doors of the church with our presence. How wonderful was that? As if we have to do that to please God. When the truth is that the gospel of the cross is offensive. It is highly offensive to those who live in sin. And that is what draws man to God with a repentive heart. I want to share this with you this morning, what I believe that God was giving me for this time. I've been talking about this and I've been working on this or thinking about it. I haven't really dug into the word and dug scripture and done any type of in-depth study on what I'm about to talk about this morning because I was not ready to do it today. I wanted to do it another time. I wanted to finish up in some stuff in Joshua because I love to preach on Joshua and it gets me excited. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
And uh, I came this morning, and this is what I'm going to give you. That's what was given to me. You cannot preach Christ without speaking of the cross. Nor can you preach the cross without speaking of Christ. They go hand in hand. See, if you preach Christ without the cross, you speak of hope and encouragement without the means to deliver. If you preach the cross without Christ, you talk of a symbol of power and a means of punishment. But when you speak of Christ and the cross simultaneously, there comes a gospel that brings with it freedom and liberty and forgiveness and authority. You know, I've heard it spoken over time. The power of the cross. Have you ever heard that? The power of the cross. There's power in the cross. There's the power of the cross. But can I tell you this morning that it's more the authority in the man that was on the cross than it was the power of the cross. You know, in that day, when they took Jesus and they escorted him to Golgotha, two worlds collided that day. There was a, there was a world of, of power symbolized in the cross. If, if all we saw was the cross standing on the hill by itself, it would just be a representation of the Roman punishment system their judicial system, their government that would show that if you do wrong, this is what happens. It was a symbol of authority. Without Christ being on that cross, it meant nothing but fear and anguish and despair. The man Jesus, the one, the authority of heaven and the way that he would overcome death by raising himself from the grave once he died on the cross. Two worlds collided. That of the kingdom and that of the world. That of the world had all power. It had all power. It, it made the laws. It created laws. It put laws into place. And it held you accountable to those laws that it placed. But it had no authority. Authority always, remember this, authority always, always supersedes power. Do you know that just little old you could go out and stand in traffic and somebody run you over? <laughs> you thinking you have power. But what if you went out into the street and you had a police uniform on? And vehicles would begin to stop because of the authority. It's not the power of the cross, but it's the authority of the man, the God-man, Jesus, that hung on that cross that makes the cross so important for you and I. Some of us today need to hear that whatever it is that is holding on to you was taken by Jesus and it was overcome on the cross that day. See, some of you fight and battle depression. Can I tell you? It's on the cross. 
the sin that you struggle in and that you struggle with daily throughout your life. Can I tell you? It's on the cross. The hurt and the feel of, of pain and anguish and despair that you walk in every day of your life because of an event. Can I tell you that it's on the cross? Anything and everything that you're experiencing today was put on the back of a man called Jesus. And it died with him on the cross. If you'll bear, I'm not going to hang out and all day long with you. I'm going to give you about 25, 30 minutes this morning. I'm going to let you run free. Believe it? <laughs> but it died with Jesus that day on the cross. And thanks be to God that you're no longer, you're, you no longer have to be held back from your freedom and from your joy, your healing, or anything else that you consider a lack in your life. Because when he came up, free he brought you with him there's five things that i want to take a look at hopefully i don't know if i'll be able to dissect all five but i'm going to try but there's five things that took place supernaturally the day that jesus hung on the cross if you got a finger in the bible flip it backwards go to matthew chapter 27 We'll start at verse 51. I'm going to read through 54. And then you're going to have to let me go, okay? Don't make me stand right here the whole time. Verse 51. Then behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And the earth quaked. And the rocks were split. And the graves were opened. And many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the graves after his, Jesus, resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. One of the first things that took place was that veil that was torn. And it was torn in such a manner that no one could go, well, that was man, or that was the priest, or it was this one, or it was that one. It was by the hand of God that the veil was torn. If you know anything about this veil, it's a little thick. It wasn't just a sheet. It was a little thick. And it was torn from top to bottom. Heaven's barrier that day that stood before us and our Father in heaven was to be no more. That veil separated you and an intimate relationship with our Father in heaven. But that day, no more was that required. No more did you have to worry about only going so far. See, Christians, we're so spoiled right now because there is, there is an unlimited access to God but we only take our access we only take as far as the church with our relationship with God we take it no further we don't take it home anymore we've taken it out of the courts we've taken it out of schools we've taken it out of our home we do not we oh don't you know that everything that you have 
holding you back from a relationship, a deeper relationship with God is no more. The veil was torn. It gave you open and ready access that you might be able to walk in with a boldness, with confidence, knowing that you can go and speak to the Father on your own accord. I don't know about you, but see, if i got a business meeting, I don't want you representing me in a business meeting. I want to represent myself. Not that you couldn't do a good job. I just feel like that I would be a better representation of who I am and what I could provide for myself. Don't you know, I don't have to do that little ritual again. I don't have to come and sit and talk to some man behind a few bars in a little confined coffin in what they call a church and say, Father, I've seen the Bible tells me to call no man on this earth Father. That's right. But him alone. No more are the offerings of a fallible sacrifice to be offered up in hopes of bringing us into right standing. When the veil was torn, no more did I have to depend upon the priest to take in a blood sacrifice and lay it on the horns of the altar. Now Jesus, infallible, the perfect not a perfect sacrifice it was the because we've offered up a perfect sacrifice for generations prior to this we was required to walk in with with perfect doves and perfect heifers and but Jesus was the perfect sacrifice no more did I have to depend on whether or not I'd done well enough Oh, what happened to the church? We think we have to have it together 100%. Can I lighten your load this morning? You'll never be 100%. You're not good enough to offer yourself before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Thank God that he put on a pair of Jesus glasses not reading glasses. He put on a pair of Jesus glasses. He sees me through the eyes of his son. Amen. One that his son made perfect on the cross. <laughs> no more is there to be a mortal man to stand on my behalf to present my case before the creator. No more do I have to depend upon the animal blood upon altars for the forgiveness of my sin. No more with the burden of keeping a sacrifice so pure in an effort to fulfill the religious requirements to aid forgiveness. My dependency is in the man, Jesus, that hung on a cross. See, this is the old-time gospel. We don't hear this anymore. We don't hear that it takes the blood of Christ. That's right. What we hear is just do the best you can do. And you, you've got pastors that will encourage you to rejoice when people leave your life. Oh, you ought to be happy that nobody, that they left because Jesus was saving you. God was, can I tell you something? That's a lie from hell. 
It's a lie. <laughs> uh, okay. Okay, 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 okay. <laughs> Wouldn't you much rather have an opportunity to win someone to the Lord? Or would you rather have an opportunity to just do your own thing? Be careful before you answer. Because see, when those people enter your life, it might just possible that it might be an opportunity that God said, you can win them mm -hmm. if you love them. That's right. We won't rejoice in that because they're a burden. Uh-oh, they've interfered with our comfortable life. Church at 3 o'clock, are you kidding? You go split up my day. <laughs> Do we think that it was a convenience for Jesus to walk an old cobblestone or stumble an old cobblestone street to his death? Do we think that was convenient? I would think not. I don't think that he put that in his daily planner that that was what he wanted to do that day. But he'd done it out of the love and compassion for you and I. It was on a cross that a man sent by God to be the sacrifice for you and I forever and always to die once and for all for our sins. We have forgotten about the cross. We think the cross because now we're Christian, nothing in our life happens. Everything's smooth. It's good. No problems. No issues. Praise the Lord. And when something does happen, we say it's the enemy. No, it's not the enemy. It's the enemy. It's in me. 90% of what we go through is because of our own stuff. We can, come on. I don't want to get sidetracked. But you know I'm telling the truth. You ain't all that. You've messed up. You messed up this morning. The burden of our forgiveness was carried upon the cross on the back of a man, a God-man named Jesus the one that knew no sin, who took upon himself the sins of you and I and offered himself the perfect sacrifice before the one that sent him, allowing you and I right passage to a relationship with the Father in heaven. This is what happened when two worlds collided, when heaven met earth, the cross and Christ. This is what happened. Authority trumped power. See, I don't know about you. I don't want to walk with power in my life. Power means nothing to me. I would much rather walk with the authority of the Word. See, it's not my Word that I'm giving you this morning. It's the authority in the Word that's coming to you via this book. And I would much rather, because see, once, once I've released these words to you, you are now accountable. That's right. The blood's been washed from my hands. I don't have to worry about looking into the eyes of my maker and him telling me that because you did not preach the gospel, 
the blood that's on them I require of your hands. The earthquake. The religious system that had stood for so long. This temple, this sacrificial system that had stood for generations and generations was shaken that day at the cross. Hebrews kind of puts it like this. He said, whose voice then shook the earth. But now he has promised saying, yet once more I shake, not only to shake the earth, but also heaven. Now this, yet once more, indicates that the removal of things that are being shaken as of things that are made, that the things which cannot be shaken will remain. In other words, whatever you and I create in our own life, whatever you and I can fathom up, whatever you and I can put our energy and our talents to and put our hands to and build, won't stand the test of time. When it comes time for God to shake, Everything that you and I were able to put together will fall. The Bible says it like this, that heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away. There's nothing man-made that will ever stand the shaking that comes from God. We, we've offered up, men, men and mankind have offered up from day one Different religions to get you to heaven. Confucius and this person and that. All those are great. And you know what? We could be sitting here talking about this man, Jesus, the same manner, offering up hope and encouragement. If he wouldn't have died on the cross, he would have been no greater of a man than any of the others. But yet, because he offered himself and died on the cross, and three days later, he decided to go ahead and get up, we got something different to deal with. Amen. See, you want to talk to other people about all these different ways to Christ, or all these different ways. There's only one, and he made it very clear. I am the way. He didn't say one of. He didn't say one of many. He said, thee. You can't go any other. Matter of fact, the Bible says that if you enter in any other way other than the gate, the Bible calls you a thief. Y'all remember that? Where the shepherd would hold their, hold their flock in and they, they would go and they would get in between little mountains. And the shepherd would become the gatekeeper. And they would say if you went in over the walls, you were considered a thief. It's the same way with heaven. You're not going to enter into heaven from the sidewall. I don't think that it's probably going to be small enough for us to scale. At least not me. But anyway, why are you laughing? You know better off. There's many ideas that have led people to believe that no God, that there is no God. But all of those ways will soon be shaken if they haven't already. There's going to come a day when we're going to have to stand before the one that chose to die for us. 
will we be able to stand rightfully? Or will he question everything that we've done and why we've done it and cast judgment? You didn't think I was going to go through the whole sermon without saying it, do you? And put you in hell. There is such a place. It's going to be forever burning. And without Christ and the cross, we were doomed. But I'm thankful that a man decided that he was going to love me even when I was wrong. It's not our weak love that we proclaim and profess to one another because we love you until you make me mad and then I don't love you right now. But this was a love that could only come from God Himself. And He displayed His love on that cross that day in His Son, Christ, so that you and I could experience eternal life with Him because you're going to live for eternity. You're either going to live in hell or you're going to live in heaven. But you're going to live for eternity. That's where people get it confused. They think that when they die, if I don't go to heaven, then I'm just going to go to hell. My friend, you're going to live. Do you remember what a lot of people misappropriate it and call it a parable and it's not actually a parable but the rich man and Lazarus. Mm-hmm. Remember that account? A lot of people, they, they describe it as a parable. Well, here's, here's a little side note, sidebar, okay? In parables, there were never specific places or specific names of anyone mentioned. It was always hypothetical. This man knew Lazarus. This man knew Father Abraham. The Bible said that the rich, the, that, the, that the poor man that would beg for alms, that he died, and the angels came and ministered to him, basically took him to Abraham's bosom. And the rich man died and was buried. And the rich man looked up in a far off distance and saw Lazarus in the bosom of Abraham, crying out, can you dip your finger in the water and just put it on my tongue? My friend, there's going to come a day. See, I can't pray for you when you're done. When we sign that dotted line, when, when we fulfill our dash, it's over. There is no prayer that gets you to heaven. I can't pray you in. I can't, I can't pay for you to get in. I don't have enough money anyway. So if you're dependent on that, trust me, you're done. But we can't do anything at that point. What? Man, that has got to be the saddest. See, I don't even look at the, at the story of Christ hanging on the cross and dying for my sins to be that of sorrow and sadness. It brings me joy that there was a man, man enough. 
for Lazarus to look and gaze through at the rich man and the rich man, it's over. No more help. See, we have a choice today. We can, we can refuse the gospel today, die tomorrow without Christ, and live in hell for the rest of eternity. Or we can choose to accept and receive the gospel today and have Christ as our Lord and live for eternity with Him. It's, it's simple. The gospel is easy. Salvation is simple. Don't let people confuse you. If the Holy Spirit leads you and works on you to cause you to want to talk to God, my friend, go talk to God. It's that easy. Well, what am I to say? Don't worry about what you're going to say. If the Holy Spirit is good enough to coax you in, the Holy Spirit is good enough to lay upon your heart the words to speak. And you know what? Matter of fact, let me get on beyond that religiosity. How do we know that our tears aren't enough before Christ because it's our heart it's the heart that God looks at you can say what you want to say all day long but be somebody totally different he said matter of fact their mouths worship me but their hearts are far from if it was about the words that you speak why is he so passionate about your heart Man, what we talk to daddy with in our private is between daddy and I. Just like you. Only God knows your heart. Not me. See, I can't condemn you. I didn't create hell and I didn't create heaven. Can't send you to either place. But your creator can. And he don't want to send you anywhere. He wants to accept you into the beloved. We are adopted, aren't we? God demonstrated that day that there was only one way to experience eternal life with him. And that would be by way of his son. Not because of your tithing. Not because of your church attendance. Not because of all your accolades. Not because of your looks, whether you're ugly or good looking. See, I was going to try to make it on my bad looks and hope that he felt compassionate enough to go, son, I feel sorry for you. But then I knew that in the back of his mind, he would have said, wait a minute, I created you. So I can't really. So it's not about your looks. It's only going to come by way of Jesus. The gate. The rocks split. See, the life that we live inside of our tombs built by stone, I'm sure y'all probably don't have, so I'm going to preach to me right here. That way to release you, you won't feel bad. But these tombs that I have built myself, these walls that I sink behind myself when times of trouble those rocks split that day at the cross. 
When Jesus said, Father, Father, why hast thou forsaken me? And then he gave his spirit into his hands. He took everything that I would ever face in my life and it died with him. It's on the cross. Why is it we continuously go back and build walls? Why do we stand behind the walls that keep us in bondage? What's it going to take for us to realize? I haven't lost my way. I still know I'm talking about the cross. See, y'all, you've pictured the cross with Jesus, and it's a pretty little picture you know, with a couple drops of blood that come down. I think it was just somebody splashed the paint and they went, well, that looks good there. We'll leave it. Just a couple spots. Not knowing that that man, <laughs> he was torn. See, we read it was just beaten. Just 39 little spankings. It's kind of like how they, you know, discipline their children now. Now, 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 and they give them 30 little ones like this. But he was torn. Every time he was hit, he was torn. The Bible said that his entrails were exposed. Hit 39 times. Go research a cattail. Glass and ball bearings and bones. When it hit, I get, and I'm sure they didn't put up somebody like Sean and give him a cattail and say, no, go because he would have went. He didn't think he was going to make it, did he? That's one of the privileges I have for having my children in church. I get to talk about them, put them in the sermons. And they hate it. I'm sure they put barbaric like men. Can you imagine the rawhide slapping around your side? And before it would release itself, they would. Do you understand what took place at the cross? humiliated naked hanging so that you wouldn't have to do it and yet we still spit in the face of grace because we live our life as we choose and as we wish and as we desire. Not given two seconds of thought on what he went through for us on the cross. But he defeated your stone walls no longer are you held captive, but instead the Bible tells us that Jesus led captivity captive.
He took you away from your bondage. He took bondage away from you. But that is, I don't know, that's our comfort. That's our peaceful place. We go and seclude ourselves. We don't want nobody in. We don't want to go out. We don't want it to happen again. We, we've already played that movie one time. We don't want to go out and see a rerun. So we stay in our little hole in hopes that we, oh, this is for somebody. We stay in our own little world hoping that we can take care of it ourselves. when in fact you will destroy yourself. If we don't turn things over to Christ, we have to tend to them. And we'll never be able to break free from that which holds us bondage. It comes by way of authority. And the authority was in the man that hung on the cross. You sit in your tomb daily. Why? You designed it. It's pretty. Nice little glitter stuff on it. Crystal chandeliers and pretty little gold doorknob on it with a big key for a lock so nobody can pick it. And that's where you'll die. The Bible says that the graves were opened. You don't think there's a way for you to make it now. You've you've already just decided that your grave is your captivity and that's where you're going to be. I'm never going to be nothing. I can't make it. It's too much. I'll never be able to do it. And you lay down and you die. And the Bible says that that day at the cross, graves were opened. He made ways for you again. Sure, without him, man, we're doomed, done. But with him, how much more do we want? I know y'all was hoping I was gonna get up here and run and woohoo and do all. Not today. I want to talk to you about the car. I want to make sure I got your attention. Because, see, if I entertain you, you miss the point. The gospel takes Christ and the cross. The gospel's not there without both. It takes both. Said that people rose out of the grave. Could you imagine? And even in those days, how many people still rejected Christ? Right. They see all this. They experience all this. And they still reject him. 
How is that? Sounds familiar. It sounds just like the church. Because the church showed up one day in my life and, well, bless the Lord, we got a check in the mail. It come from Heavenly Bank of Trust and it had God signed at the bottom. And we just rejoiced and tomorrow we took it to the bars. We bought prostitutes with it. We lusted for things. See, I don't care. I'll preach it. Don't matter to me. I'll just tell them. Man, we rejoice when God shows up for a moment. Well, God ain't going to do that for a second. The Bible says that God will reign on the just and the unjust. And the Bible even warns us about don't worry about the evil ones that are making it along, that are doing good, and everything seems to don't worry about them. He'll take care of that. But boy, aren't we quick. Y'all ain't never said it, have you? I have. It's our secret. I've said it. Prayer time. God, why are they? I mean, he don't even go to church. I know y'all don't say it. Y'all better than that. I see a halo over there. I don't know. That's just the glare off the light. I'm with you. We can send signals. But there were five things that took place. And the five represents grace. Grace was revealed that day at the cross. What we didn't deserve, he gave. What we deserved, he took. By means of the cross. I don't want you to look at Christianity as a man hanging on a tree because he's not there. <laughs> Just to help you. He doesn't still remain there. He's gone, been gone. Like <laughs> three days later, been gone. Actually like 50 days later. 40, day, 40 days later. Sorry, let me get my math right because I know you'll fact check me. The 50 days was the day of Pentecost. He'd already been gone. They had to wait on him. An old rugged cross, instead of something that should be, or what the Christian, Christendom has put it to be, some somber, oh, how horrible. I don't want you to look at it that way. It had to happen. See, if it didn't happen the way that it happened, he wouldn't be God. It had to happen exactly the way it was said to happen. No other way. That's why God didn't pick you to do it. 
Because the moment that he would have said, hey, you go down the cross, you would have went, me? Can't you hear what she'd have said now? What? Can I go to Hobby Lobby? <laughs> I mean, you know, just I, Hobby Lobby got a sale this weekend. <laughs> That's why he didn't pick you and I. The Bible said it was the joy that he set before him. It was the love of the ones that he was going to die for that caused him to do and to be humble even unto death. Death on the cross. It was going to take him. And because he chose to do it, you have an opportunity now. I mean, we get to walk with that. Don't you understand? Let me, can I, let me help you picture the cross. I'm not going to jump, but I want you to picture the cross. Okay? Vertical and horizontal. Right? See, the top of the cross. Because sometimes we live at the head of the cross. We do. Things in our life are great and grand and victorious. And man, our health is great and our jobs are wonderful. And we're living at the head of the cross. And all we can do, we should do, is to look down and peer down and see the top of the man that died for you and me and give him thanks for everything that he done because he chose to do it out of the love that he had for you and I. He didn't have to do that. So it's great to live at the head of the cross. But can I tell you, my God is an equal opportunity offender. There's going to be times in your life that you're going to have to live at the foot of the cross. And it's when everything around you begins to feel overbearing and overweighting on your life. And the only thing that you can do at that moment is look up and peer at the holes beneath his feet. And be grateful for the fact that he chose to walk that out. Too many of us, we want, we want to think about the cross. And we want to go, well, if it's a cross, it goes from side to side. The two thieves that were, that were crucified on either side of Christ. See, there's an opportunity for you and I that when we're walking through our life and there's a call from Christ, we get to choose that day whether or not we reach out our hand and we walk through life with him or we reject him as the other thief. You have a choice. The cross, it offers opportunity. It offers freedom. It offers liberty. It offers choice. But can I tell you that Moses said, today I've offered you life and death. Choose life. Choose life. It's too late when we're dead. What a scary picture. Him gazing and seeing this man in the comfort of Abraham's bosom. And he had no way to get there. What an awful picture. 
of knowing. Do you under, You need to read that. You need to read that account this weekend. Be a good time for you to read it. Because there he stood. There he stood. He, he knew of the people that he saw. So that tells me we're going to know. But one of the sad things was he didn't ask why he was there. Because he already knew. And what a sad thing. How horrible would it be for you and I to be caught in that shape knowing why we were where we were with no out? Is it really worth it? Is it worth taking a chance and giving up on God? Is it? Ask yourself, is it worth giving up on God to find yourself in that predicament? You know, I said it one time before, you know, we, we've only got one life to live. But I'm so grateful to God that he gives me many opportunities to live it. Because I screw up every day. Every day. And you're not going to be perfect. It's, it's every day you're going to mess up. You're going to talk about somebody. You're going to do something wrong. You're going to think something bad. You're going to say something out of line. You're go something's going to happen. And you're going to find yourself short. But thanks be to God that now I can be back at the foot of the cross without condemnation and I can sit and I can look up and peer at him and be so grateful and so thankful that he knew that this day would come and he would not turn his back on me Amen. but rather stand there with arms open wide yes. Yes. what a horrible day that would be knowing that you can't and he had five brothers. He said, send somebody to my house and let them know that this is for real. And it was told back to him, if they rejected them, what makes you think that they're not going to reject me? I've had people, well, prove to me that God's real. You, you prove it. If I prove it to you, you don't need faith. Right. And what, what that causes is your damnation to hell for the rest of eternity. Because the Bible says that it's only by faith we're saved. I don't want to expose him and show you and prove to you that he's God or there is a, that stupidity. And even if I did... You wouldn't believe it. <laughs> I mean, come on. He walked back in and said, hey, Thomas, what's happening? Mm -hmm. And Thomas said, angle me till I can touch. What? Have you lost your mind? Baby, I'm sorry. 
Lord bless his little heart. But just because you see doesn't make you believe. Look at the world right now. We see it with our own eyes and we're so ignorant we don't believe what we do see. We go, well, that can't be happening. Or <laughs> you go, or Lord, help us all. Bless her heart. Keep her so I don't beat her. I'm not one of them good preachers that can take you down a road and stop off at certain points and then we rest for the day. I take you as far as I can go and when I know that I'm done, I'm done. I drop you on your head and I let you go home. That's where we're at. Paul said, I, I ain't come to use flattery words. Make the gospel of no effect. I'd rather just give you the truth, give you the word, let you go home. You chew on it. You decide today whom you will serve. I'm kind of interested to see where this is going to take me. Because while I was preaching, I had like four or five. By Facebook, YouTube, see you. But I had four or five other things that hit me. So I'm going to be excited about what's going to happen. I just want you to get a different perspective of the cross. And I hope that you understand that he done what he done so that you wouldn't have to be who you think you are sometimes. You're not below. You're not beneath. You're above. You're not behind. You're in front. You're blessed. Going in. Going out. In the city. In the country. You're, you're blessed. And it's because of Christ and the cross. You can't put nothing else to it, buddy. That's it. That's why I like it, because I don't have to be perfect. I can be me. <laughs> and that's it. You get what you get. I'm not putting makeup on to get on camera. I ain't doing none of that. Don't y'all forget Wednesday night. I told you I was done. Don't forget Wednesday night. And uh, Saturday, you back on it? Was that, a, was that a yes or was that a, man, did you have to put me on the spot? I don't know yet. Okay. What? You be quiet, boy. I got him. I got him. Sit down. Let's dismiss. Father, I just thank you again that, God, we're able to come and just sit at your table and chew for a little bit. God, I just pray that your spirit take what's been spoken this morning, Father, and, and seed it real firm in our hearts. God, that we can take what's been planted and we can cultivate it and water it and cause it to grow. God, that it produces fruit in our life and produce a fruit that will remain. Father, I bless your people. I ask you to keep them, keep them safe. And it's in Jesus' name we pray.
Amen.